there, lovely patrons. Welcome to your bonus content for Bad Axe Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Blinka, and this is our super awesome co-host. Aaron, hi. All right, now this is our first official bonus episode for a full-length episode, that is. So we're very excited to bring you a story that I think is one of the craziest um, and most tragic stories I've ever heard. You may have heard about it before, but we definitely have some new information that is super recent that's come out that happened in like 2019. I think some of it in 2020. So there's definitely going to be some case updates, even if you've heard the story before. Okay, that sounds awesome. All right, now today we are talking about the case of Shannon Christian and Chris Newsom. Now we're in Knoxville, Tennessee, and it's January 2007. 21-year-old Shannon Christian and 23-year-old Chris Newsom are enjoying a dinner date together before visiting a friend's home for a party. And that party is going to be in the Washington Ridge apartment complex in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's January 6, 2007, and it's a bit cold outside, right? Because it's the winter time. Sure, yeah. And they're feeling a little bit snuggly because you see both Shannon and Chris had had a fight earlier because Shannon had been a little upset about Chris taking a little extra time to pick her up that day. As uh, That happens sometimes. Yeah, I mean, some, we all have those moments. And they're a very young couple, but they're also super lovey-dovey. It's really cute. They're on their way to this party, but they would never arrive. Now, in the complex parking lot, the young lovebirds were kissing. Christian was in the driver's seat of her Toyota 4Runner, and Newsom stood in the open door. Now, after you remember, they'd had that fight earlier, so they're making up at this point. He's hugging on her, they're kissing, they're canoodling, they're sharing nice, lovely things about each other. But unfortunately, this made them the perfect target for an unthinkable crime. Oh, no. I I can see where this is going, Mm -hmm. and it's not good. And also, this kind of thing is why I'm a terror anytime we're in a parking lot. I'm so paranoid about parking lots. Yeah. Like, honestly, I used to be very, uh, like, kind of laid back about it. I didn't even Mm -hmm. think about any kind of danger there. And then I met you, and you've, like... Can can you've helped me understand the dangers of that? Because now yep. every time I'm in like a, a a car, like the first thing I do is I lock my door. Like I get yeah, in. Yeah, you gotta I turn go, it on. You gotta go. Yeah, like <laughs> like I'm 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 always like there's that little voice inside of me that's like somebody like is somebody behind me like mm-hmm. like who's around me like be aware of the surroundings. Yes, I will like lose yeah. my shit if I'm with someone leaving a store and we put the bags in the trunk and they want to dig through shit and arrange stuff. I'm like, no, you dump those bags and you go. That's how you get murdered. <laughs> Don't be moving stuff around in the car. Get in the car. We got to go. We got to we gotta keep this thing moving. Yep. All right. Now, Christian and Newsom were visiting their friend of the complex, and they had no idea that someone else was also on their way there, someone who had bad intentions. Now, Lamarcus Davidson was broke and jobless, but he claimed he went to this apartment complex that night to give money to a woman he owed. He apparently had bought some furniture from a lady who lived there, and he was supposed to be paying her on a payment plan, supposedly as much as $100 every two weeks. But as we specified, he had $0. And the police know he had, like, literally no cash. So there was no way that he was actually going to pay her, even though that's what he says he was doing. Yeah, you can't pay somebody if you have no money. Yes. Now, reports speculate, and these reports are backed up by at least one of the perpetrators of this crime, that he actually was looking for someone to rob our carjack from the beginning. And in fact, he did have a record for committing these types of crimes. 
Now, Davidson wasn't alone that night, and he wasn't even driving. Remember, he doesn't have a car. Yeah, that's true. So although he is described as the ringleader of the group of criminals that night, his friend, Eric Boyd, was in the driver's seat that night. And Boyd had actually borrowed the car they were in from his cousin because no one in this story besides Shannon had a car that night. Apparently not, yeah. Yeah. Now, Davidson's brother, Latavius Cobbins, also tagged along on this mission. Now, Cobbins had been staying with Davidson, and he traveled to Tennessee from Kentucky with his girlfriend, Vanessa Coleman, and his friend, George Thomas. This trio was homeless, so they'd been crashing with Davidson, and Davidson's girlfriend, who had been living there up until, like, right before the crime happened. Gotcha. All right. Now, the group had become desperate for money, and crime seemed like the only option. So when the trio in the car spotted Christian and Newsom, they decided the couple were perfect targets. So Davidson and Boyd jumped from their car, rushed the couple, and pointed guns at them. They say they only wanted the SUV, or so they claimed. That's how these things start, though. Yes, because however... At that point, another car pulled into the apartment complex at just that moment. The pair got scared, so they pushed the couple back into the car. Now, the, the two criminals, that Boyd and Davidson, grabbed some cords they found in the vehicle and bound Christian and Newsom's hands. Then they forced Newsom to lie face down and push Christian on top of his back. That's so scary. Yeah, it is definitely super scary. Um, and this is not even the scariest thing that's going to happen. Oh, wow. Yeah, basically the entire thing is scary. Yeah. Davidson then drove the SUV back to his tiny two-bedroom rental house at 2316 Chipman Street. Until the days before the crime, Davidson had shared this home with his now ex-girlfriend, a woman named Daphne Sutton. She had gotten frustrated about all the people crashing there and the lack of income, so she had left and made the right decision, as we will see. Yeah, definitely. All right, now at this house on Chipman Street, there are waiting Cobbin's girlfriend, Vanessa Coleman, and the friend, George Thomas. So we have five total people. Okay. Meanwhile, Cobbins drove the vehicle Boyd had borrowed back to the home. So he's basically following the carjacked SUV. Okay. All right. Once they arrived at this house, the perpetrators tied bandanas around the couple's eyes. Because at this point, they had decided that since they had kidnapped them, that there was just no way for them to let them live. That's such a bad decision. Yeah. So I personally disagree. (laughs) Yeah. A, you should not murder people, period. But B, I don't understand how they couldn't have just pulled over. Like, I mean, if you're going to carjack cars, which again, that's also wrong. But like, don't kill the people. Yeah. Even if they had to take them. I understand they were spooked by the other headlights. And maybe they didn't want to let them go right there because they were worried they'd get caught too fast. But like, you can't just pull over on the side of the road and make them get out. Yeah, I mean, murder is always going to be worse for you than just carjacking somebody. Yeah, like, just let him out of the car. Like, that part, I just don't get that part. Like, why they didn't just let him out. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. That's I crazy. I kind of wonder if they just plan on, on just hurting someone from the get-go, like, maybe to let their anger out. It's possible. I, I don't know. I don't know. But regardless, 100%, they definitely had options here. Yeah. All right, so they put bandanas around the couple's eyes, and additionally, they had tied Christian's hands in front of her body, and Newsom's hands were tied behind his back. Okay. The suspects forced the couple to walk inside. Now, Davidson, who is called the ringleader of the group, walked Christian into the home, while an accomplice, which is allegedly Boyd, brought in Newsom. Okay. Initially, they convinced Christian to cooperate by telling her they let her go. They even got her to make a phone call at 
gunpoint to like her house so that they could have a few extra times to do the crime. Okay. All right. So later, Boyd walked Newsom, who the perpetrators at this point were calling Old Boy, back out of the home. And this is when things really start getting bad because one or more of the attackers raped Newsom, leaving some semen behind. Then they assaulted him again with an object. God, that's disgusting. That's so It terrible. is disgusting. And they're pretty sure that Boyd did it. And that's why I have his name attached here. Because at, when it first happened, they didn't know for sure. But now they have one of the perpetrators has come forward to say that Boyd was the one who raped him. And the police did find gay porn on Boyd's phone. So it kind of tracks that he might have been the one that raped him based on that information. Yeah, I could see that. All right. Now, and the DNA did get get destroyed from that semen, and we'll find out why in a moment. So that's why they couldn't match the DNA. Okay, so the group then used Newsom's own belt to bind his feet, and they still tied his hands up behind his back. And they put a sock in his mouth that, as an improvised gag. And they walked him barefoot across a muddy field to a nearby rail- railroad track. There, Thomas shot Newsom in the neck and back, paralyzing him. Now, there is some debate over who told Thomas to shoot uh, to shoot him. And apparently, according to most of the witnesses, our perpetrators really, they made, Davidson made Thomas do it because he didn't trust him because they weren't actually friends. Thomas was friends with his brother. And so he made Thomas do this so that he would be implicated because Thomas didn't participate in as much of the crime as some of the other people did. Okay. So he did deliver these two gunshots and then Davidson or Boyd delivered the final shot execution style to the back of Newsom's head. There's some controversy over this because originally it was reported that Davidson is the one who delivered the final shot. But new evidence has come forward including new testimony that suggests that it was actually Boyd who did it. Um, and then, obviously, Davison's the one that told them to go do it. So either way, he's implicated. Right. But it's possible that Boyd is actually the one that, that delivered that final shot. All right. So at that this point, they were not done. You would think they would be done, but they weren't. So they rolled him onto his back and wrapped his head in a hooded sweatshirt. And in a final act of violence, they went and got a comforter from the house, wrapped the comforter around him, poured gasoline on his body, and then set it on fire. And that fire is what destroyed the DNA evidence from the sperm. Man, that, yeah, Jesus, that's that's a horrible yeah. way to die. It's literally like all of the crimes. Yeah. It's real. every single one of the crimes. Yeah. I... Like the kidnapping. He also was robbed because they took his shoes. Davison did steal his shoes and some other clothing items. Jesus. So they literally like robbed him. And then they raped him, and then they killed him, and then they just, like, destroyed his corpse, basically. Yeah, man, that's terrible. I know. So, just, yeah, that's why I'm just just straight up referring to them as criminals, because, honestly, it's really hard to, like... To not do that? Yeah, because the crime is so bad, it's about to get even worse somehow, and you're like, how is that possible? Prepare yourself. How is that possible? Yeah, I should have warned people not to eat when they were listening to this. Yeah. Okay. So at trial, the medical examiner actually said that they believed that Newsom probably died around 1.45 a.m. on January 7th, 2007. Which, despite how horrible he was murdered, at least he didn't have to live as long as Christian did because some stuff's going to happen. So what happens to her? Okay, so at this point, Boyd left, which I think makes sense because he got what he wanted. Yeah. So he he leaves the scene. Okay. And so we have four people left. Now... While all this is going on, Christian has remained tied up in Davison's bedroom. And it's possible, based on the, the witness testimonies, that at one point she might have been left alone with just Coleman, the girl. 
And I'm like, wouldn't you let her go? You would think so. Like, why wouldn't you have some compassion? I mean, even if you're scared, like, what are you doing? Yeah, like, that's that's just crazy. Like, I don't feel sorry for you for going to jail. No, absolutely not. Okay, so at this point, now that Newsom is dead, they turn their attention to Christian. The men, specifically Davidson and Cobbins for sure, raped her repeatedly orally, vaginally, and anally. And initially, they told her that if she complied with some of it, that they would let her go, but then they were still violent with her and obviously had no intention of letting her go. That's terrible. All right. And then both Davidson and Commons left semen behind. Of course. Yeah, of, of course. course now, did. I yeah. don't think that there's any semen anywhere from the one guy, from Thomas, but obviously he still participated in parts of it. So, I mean... yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's not innocent. He's not innocent. Yeah. All right. Now, they also beat her. And during the assault, someone kicked or struck her genital area. Now, I will tell you, according to the Knox News, please believe that it was Coleman who may have delivered the blows to Christian's genital area because she did admit that she was angry that her boyfriend had raped her, had raped Christian, that is. And so it's possible authorities think that she's the one that might have been kicking or striking the genital area. That's... That doesn't even make sense, though. It really doesn't. Like, I just can't with that. Like, I don't understand how your brain thinks, this person's been violated. I'm going to do it more. Yeah, like you're somehow Like, I'm blaming, mad at her. Yeah, like you're blaming her for getting raped. Like, like what the crazy. fuck? Yeah. All right. Now, that is like authorities, I think, speculating possibly. But still, that's what they believe. All right. Now, they hit her twice in the head also. And she also showed signs of a broken neck, blunt force trauma, and abrasion. So, she had a lot of injuries. Yeah, they beat the crap out of this poor girl. Yes. Now, horribly, they also sprayed bleach in her mouth and down her throat, trying to destroy that, that sperm evidence. Man, this is just really... This is gruesome. It's very gruesome. Now, keep in mind, bleach burns skin. It can be very corrosive. So it's not just like they sprayed it down her as like an indignity. Like this is going to be quite painful as, you know, the bleach is searing as it goes down. Yeah, yeah. So it's like extremely like brutal that they did that. Yeah, definitely. All right. Now, after this rape and physical assault, the group dragged Christian across the carpet into the living room. Then they ripped up bed sheets and used the fabric straps to hog tie her. Now, at that point, Davidson and Cobbins put a plastic grocery sack over her head, and then they wrapped her body in black garbage bags. And finally, the group dumped her into a large plastic trash can in Davidson's kitchen. Oh my she was still alive. Good God. Yeah. I mean, that's just unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Mm. Now, Christian slowly suffocated to death over the next day, dying sometime between the afternoon of January 7th and January 8th. This poor woman. I'm, I mean, that's just so awful. I know. It's like you already think it's gotten as bad as it could get when you hear what happened to Chris. And then you hear what happened to Shannon, and you're like, what? Yeah, for real. Like, Who even thinks of this? I know. That's just, it's, it's depraved. It's, it's awful. It's very awful. It's very awful. And I will say, like, this is one of those cases that comes up a lot with death penalty talks, because obviously we've talked a lot about this and how we don't, we don't support the death penalty in theory, but then, like, shit like this happens. And I know this is one that gets brought up a lot. That's how I first learned about this case a while back, is whenever people are like, we should never have the death penalty, they're like, oh, really? Because this happened. And then people are like, hmm. Because... I mean, it's obviously the death penalty doesn't solve problems, I guess. But it is extremely horrible that this happened. And also, as a fun fact, the families are continuing to have to deal with this year after year after year after year after year because there's five people involved and they're constantly going to trial for shit. And it's just like out of control with the number of trials they've had. I mean, literally this crime happened in 2007. They're still doing trials. That That's a lot of trials. Yeah, because I mean, if you recall, I told you there's new updates. They're literally still doing trials. That's crazy. 
All right. So while Christian suffocated slowly, the perpetrators all left the home on Chipman Street. Boyd helped Davidson find a vacant house on Reynolds Street where he could hide. Um, and they all just kind of scattered. The Most of them, the three that had come, Thomas, Cobbins, and Coleman that had come from Kentucky, all went back to Kentucky at that point. Okay. All right. Meanwhile, Christian's mother, Dina, immediately began to worry when her daughter's best friend called to say that Christian and Newsom didn't arrive at the party that night. Worse, Christian's boss called and said she missed work. So at this point, Dina knows for sure something is wrong because she's an awesome mom. She's on top of this. So she calls the police. Good for her. Yeah. She really does a terrific job because honestly, she, because of her, they end up finding out what happened super fast. Because she wasn't letting anything slide. So points to her and the rest of the parents. The rest of the parents are just amazing. Good. So unfortunately, at this point, the police told her they couldn't do anything for 24 hours. Because remember, Shannon is 21. And then Chris is 23. Right. Okay. But that's not going to stop the the couple's families from searching for them. Because they are real. I cannot stress how awesome they are. Because seriously, the families are basically out there being cops. And they find them super fast. Good. Good for them. Okay, so Dina told Newsom's parents that they were missing, and all the parents set off to find their kids. Now, it didn't take that long to locate Newsom because a worker at a nearby business stumbled across his body beside the railroad tracks on January 7th, shortly after the murder. Man, that, that has to suck when you're, like, just, that, that has to suck. Yeah, so obviously, very gruesome. They now at this point know that something dreadfully awful has happened. So everyone is super afraid about what's going on with Shannon, and they're, like, in a rush to find her because they're assuming... Oh, my God, if this is what happened to Chris, where is Shannon? Yeah, exactly. So they managed to ping her Toyota 4Runner and find it over on Glider Street, which is two blocks away from the house on Chipman, where the crime took place. Now, apparently, this was considered a high crime area in the Knoxville area. So the police immediately knew that there might be something wrong based on the fact that the, these this couple never went there. Right. All right, so they searched the vehicle, and they can see that the vehicle has been wiped clean, which is obviously alarming because they can tell that someone who has criminal intent has been inside it. But they also found an envelope that had prints on it. And they pulled those prints and they were able to quickly match them to Davidson. As he'd previously been arrested and had prints on file. Now, using his public records, they were able to locate the house he rented on Chipman Street where the crime originally took place. Okay, so they go to the house on January 9th. And this is when they find Shannon's body in that trash can. Man, okay. Yeah. It has to be so gruesome to find something like that. Definitely. Just awful. I just plain, there literally is no other word to describe it. I feel like I try to simplify all the things that happened, but if you just really read it as it's presented in the news, like, honestly, it's just disgusting. Like, it's like incomprehensible that this that this even happened in real life yeah absolutely like it it sounds like you know how sometimes when you're watching i love criminal minds but some of their plot lines are just extra gross yeah that's what i felt like this was but maybe even worse than what criminal minds puts out there just like how do you even do that i know the 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 details of the story are just unbelievable yeah just for reals and then so at the house when they found the body they obviously found signs of a crime scene but they also found a library item from kentucky that had been checked out in cobbins's name so that helps them start to look for cobbins and they managed to find those three people cobbins and thomas and coleman they're able to actually arrest them in kentucky and bring them back good all right meanwhile on january 11th police stopped boyd 
in a traffic stop. And in an attempt to stay out of jail, he told police he could take them to where Davison was in that home in Reynolds Street. So apparently he Im- immediately turned on his friend to try to get out of jail, which is weird to me because like he definitely participated in that first crime. Like I was confused as to how they didn't know immediately that he did because he freaking drive the like it's his cousin's car that he's driving, but somehow they like he didn't know the crime was happening. Be serious. Yeah, for real. All right, so they go and they recover Davidson and they also arrested the other three that same day. So at this point they have all five of their suspects. Now we're going into some trials because they all went to trial for some reason. Like you would think that some of them would plead out. I would plead out just being real. If I did these crimes, I'd be pleading all kinds of pleas. Yeah, for real. Also, I would probably be like, I didn't do it, but like I'll plead. Please don't. Yeah. I'm just, I wouldn't do these crimes though. No, All you right. would not. In 2008, a jury found Boyd guilty of accessory after the fact, and he received an 18 year sentence. Now, hold on to that because some more stuff's going to happen with that later. Okay. Now, the other co defendants all faced trials for crimes in 2008. After the first round of trials, the ringleader, Davidson, was found guilty of first degree murder, first degree felony murder, and facilitation of aggravated rape. He received the death penalty. Now, I feel like there were probably more charges there, like pro- probably kidnapping, but they just weren't listed in the articles that I was looking at. Yeah. Because I, I looked make, at a lot of sources for this. Yeah, there's got to be a whole bunch of charges. Yeah. But he did receive the death penalty, and this is the one that people bring up, because he's the only one that gets the death penalty, spoilers, because um, he was considered the ringleader. And, like, I have trouble feeling sorry for him because of what happened. Yeah. It just is. Like, I don't have the, the energy to, again, to hold the signs up to be like, free this guy. No. Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, they would say commute the sentence. But even then, I'm like, I don't have the energy for that shit. Right. All right. Cobbins was found guilty of first-degree murder in Christian's death and facilitating a murder in Newsom's death. He received the sentence of life in prison without parole. A jury found Thomas guilty of murder, rape, robbery, kidnapping, and 34 other charges. And Coleman, who was Cobbins' girlfriend, remember, received a conviction for facilitating the murder, rape, and kidnapping of Christian, as well as theft. However, the jury found her not guilty on charges related to Newsom's death. So she received 53 years in prison initially. Because you'll notice that I said first round of trials. Right. That's because the original judge, who was Knox County Criminal Court Judge Richard Bumgardner, ended up pleading guilty to official misconduct after the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation found that he bought prescription painkillers from a different defendant who'd appeared in his court. So this guy literally had someone who was selling some kind of prescription drugs appear in court in front of him to be judged. And then that guy started being like, hey, can I buy some? That's... Also, doesn't that sound like entrapment? Like, if you're the drug dealer, don't you say, like, I don't do that anymore, man. I'm reformed. Yeah, for real. I mean, that's... (laughs) That whole thing is just a crazy twist. Yes. And because of this incident, a new judge looked over the cases that Baumgartner oversaw, including all of these cases. Right. I guess that makes sense. I mean... Yeah. So this is going to become a hot mess in a minute. So in December 2011, this guy, John... is Judge John Kerry Blackwood ordered new trials for Davidson Commons... Cobbins, Thomas, and Coleman. Now, on a side note, I just want to say that I love the name Blackwood. It sounds like it's out of a gothic romance. And it makes me want to drink wine in front of a fire and burn black candles. It's a beautiful name. Yeah, that sounds like something you would like. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So, Judge Blackwood orders these new trials, but the state of Tennessee is not about to let that happen. They're like, nah, no, no, no. So, they filed an appeal, but Blackwood denied it. Oh, God. Yeah, so I'm not sure how that works. We're like, like, you appeal to him, and he's like, nah. Yeah. So, I, I side with myself. Right. Like, <laughs> Seems like a conflict of interest as well, I'm honestly. just trying to figure out how that works. So I'm wondering if maybe that's like the, like, kind of like a, 
at the hearing like where you make a motion but it says they filed the appeal so i was like all right so he's just gonna deny it on his own behalf okay right now at this point the tennessee supreme court takes the case and and they overturn blackwood's decision because when it comes to, to davidson Cobbins, and thomas so they're like these two these three do not get new trials and they said that that the reason why they didn't get the new trials this is the part that really confused me is because they didn't know that the judge was on drugs and that they didn't know it was like affecting their trials okay but it still affects your trial whether you whether they know it or not that's right? I agree with this because, like, it's confusing because, obviously, the, I agree that these guys should be in jail forever and ever and ever and ever. Yep. But, like, at the same time, we do want our justice system to be fair. And the guy was on drugs. <laughs> yeah. And, like, it does affect what he's doing. That's why he, the other judge was trying to give him new trials is that, like, if you're, if you're high in the court, then you're not able to, like, rule on motions and, like, give in good instructions and, like, make sure that the court procedures are followed. Like, their rights could be violated because you're fucking high. Yeah, absolutely. I and, mean, that's, mm-hmm. you know, that chaos in court show that we watch, I feel like having a judge be high mm. would be so good for that. I love chaos in the court. It's a great show. I didn't expect to love it, but I it's like my favorite show now. Yeah, it's, it's a really fun show. So I root, for the, I root for the families that beat up the criminals. I know it's wrong. I know it's like the court should be in order, blah, blah, blah. And, like, it's wrong for you to attack the other criminals, blah, blah, blah. But, like, whenever the family, like, gets out, like, especially when they're being, like, really douchey and they're all like, yeah, I murdered your family, ha, ha, what are you going to do? And then the family member, like, gets over there and starts beating their ass. Like, that, I'm just like, get him! Yeah, <laughs> It's she, like sports for me. Yeah, she really does. Like, she'll literally exclaim, get him, get him, beat his ass! It's- I know. To be fair, though, if you watch that show, you'll understand what I mean. Like, obviously, violence is wrong, blah, blah, blah. But, like, when these dudes, like, killed a little kid or, like, molested someone or raped someone or, like, killed your family member, especially when they're being smug assholes in the courtroom, you, like, they deserve to have their ass beat by the family. Like, I'm not, I'm not wrong. You're not wrong. I'm not wrong. You are not wrong. They need this. They need this for the healing, really. Like, they need to kick that guy's ass for the healing. (laughs) For the, that's how you heal from it is you beat some ass. Like, also, you can, my, my. My small town, Texas, is coming out. Like, I live in a big city now, and I'm very, I'm very, like, big city girl with, like, big city values of, like, equality and stuff. But also, there's, like, a tiny little, like, like small town, Texas girl that's all like, get him! That comes out every <laughs> once in a while. Right. And um, I apologize for her. Or maybe I don't. Because I feel like I'm not the only person that roots for the dads to beat up the criminals. You're not. <laughs> you're, you're not. I'm really not. Also, I feel like if I were the court people, I'd be like, oh, no, he got past me. <laughs> He's beating his ass. No, don't do that. Right. Oh, no. Okay, I'm, I'm back at this. All right. So I get it. I get it that, like, obviously these guys are the worst and they deserve to be in jail. But at the same time, we want our system to be fair. Um, <laughs> I feel like in this case, it's like if someone cheats and then they're like, yeah, I cheated, but you never caught me. <laughs> so it's fine, right? That's, like, what's happening here. Yeah, but no. Okay. Now, although the court did say this the supreme court did say no trials for these three um which is not a final word just as a fun fact um they did agree to give coleman her new trial because they did say that he literally you could tell he was high at her trial because at the end he was like having trouble delivering like the instructions and verdict and stuff he was really slurring and all that stuff oh wow yeah so he definitely was having like effects of the drugs so coleman gets her new trial right away but at this point you're thinking like, oh, the, th- the three other guys, they're going to be in there forever. Except for Blackwood is super ballsy. And instead, he decided to order the new trials again. And he cited the same rule the Supreme Court used to deny the trials, but interpreted it a different way. So it went with him. This is, this is very confusing. I don't understand why he's doing all of this. Well, 
you're not the only one because like so this is a quote from him wvlt news actually quoted blackwood at a hearing where they were asking if he could recuse himself because the the state actually said he should recuse himself because he wasn't obeying the supreme court so then he says this is what blackwood said i intend to be the captain of this ship and to run this ship okay then yeah so i can't tell if he's kick-ass or just an ass Maybe a little bit of both. I know. Because, like, obviously people are trying to figure out why he's trying to do this. And, like, on the one hand, it might be because he really loves the justice system. Because in fairness, giving them the new trials is, like, good for the justice system to show that it works correctly. Yep. But Christian's father believed that the whole retrial circus was just a way to get Blackwood publicity. Because it definitely worked. Like, he still gets publicity even now. Yeah. Although he does kind of come off as an ass. Yeah. All right. So, I don't know. I feel like it's wrong that that's what he was doing. But I have to... I, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt that maybe he really did just want to make sure the system worked correctly. Because it is bullshit that their their judge was on drugs, even though, like, again, they look really guilty and they probably still need to be in jail. Yep. All right. So at the second trial, because they do eventually get some trials, um, eventually Davidson ends up getting, and Cobbins' convictions, both of them get their convictions upheld because remember that DNA evidence that was on Christian? Yep. That convicted them. So... The Supreme Court's like, look, I don't know why we, are, we would give them a new trial because there's freaking DNA all over the place. Like, we're, they're going to stay in jail. Yep. So they upheld those, those sentences, and they give Thomas and Coleman new trials. Okay. Now, at his second trial, Thomas was convicted again and sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 51 years, which is slightly less bad than before. Although, to be fair, do we? I don't know if he needs to get out. No, probably not. I mean, I'm not like, oh, it's whatever. I'm not the parole board. I don't get to pick. I feel like the family should have a say. I agree. He actually ends up getting a sweeter deal later, and we'll talk about that in a minute. At her second trial, a jury found Coleman guilty of facilitating a deadly carjacking and kidnapping, so less charges than before. And she received a 35-year sentence, even though her previous sentence had been the um, 53 years. Okay. Now, part of the problem with this new 35-year sentence, which I don't know if I'm on board with because of all the shit that happened, like, this crime was just so bad. Yeah. It's like... If it were, like, a slightly less bad crime, I'd be like, okay, she's only, like, an accomplice. I can see her getting out earlier. But, like, the things that she let happen, knowing about them, is just really bad. Yeah, 100%. Now, also, because of this shorter sentence, apparently in Kentucky, you can get paroled after serving about a third of your sentence. So she's actually up for parole again in December 2020. Holy shit, that seems way That's, like, right now. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so I personally am like, I don't know if I agree with this, because the crime occurred in 2007, and so getting out of jail in 2020 with how bad the crime was just seems not the best plan, but okay. Yeah, it seems like a terrible plan. I feel like that's something definitely, and that that's also, though, as a reminder, part of what the families have to deal with, because remember, they've had to go through all these rounds of trials for all of these different defendants, and they're still going through appeals, too. Like, they've been through a lot of appeals already, but they're still going through more appeals. So, like, they've been in court hundreds of times over this issue. Like, literally their whole lives revolve around it pretty much. And now they also have to deal with this parole nonsense. And I think that that's just, it really sucks for them that they're going to have to deal with this. Yeah. All right. So, one good thing that come out of all the retrials is that Boyd finally faces charges for his participation in the crime. Now, Newsom's family has been really pursuing justice for Boyd for a long time. Because even though he did get that 18 years, there was a lot of, of, of... evidence basically and like reasons to believe that he had participated in Newsom's killing so like Newsom's parents really wanted him brought to justice for this for obvious reasons so they had been trying so hard to get someone to testify to help get the story out about what really happened and and to like make sure boy was held accountable and finally 
They managed to get Thomas to help them. Originally, Cobbin said he would, but then he backed out. So they get Thomas to help them. So he actually told police a new story about what how Boyd was involved. And because of that story, they were able to try Boyd in 2019, which is 12 years after the murders, to finally try him for the actual kidnapping and murder part of the crime. And after that trial in 2019, the jury convicted him of 36 charges, and he received two life sentences plus 90 years. Good. Yes, so justice for there. And Chris Newsom's mom actually told NBC10 News that she has always had a mother's intuition that Boyd killed her son. And after learning everything I have about this case, I can see why. Yep. Like, I read that almost, like, first thing when I started doing my research for this particular um, episode. And I was like, well, I mean, we shouldn't be going by, like, mother's intuitions and, like... Like, just because you have a feeling about it. But then when I started learning more about, what, like, what actually happened and what the different witnesses have said, I was like, oh, definitely, 100%, like, it makes sense that she felt that way. Yeah. And so I'm happy that she finally got her justice. I mean, it's not, like, going to make it go away, but at least he's been held accountable. Yep. All right. Now, Davidson and Commons are still appealing their sentences, but so far the court has upheld them. Um, and I will point out that since Boyd's trial came up, um, Davidson has tried to use this as a way to get off of the death penalty because he's claiming that since he didn't, since Boyd is probably the one who shot Newsom, that he's claiming Davidson that he shouldn't get the death penalty because he didn't participate in that murder. But there's evidence from all of the testimony that he is the one who ordered all of it. So that would still make him culpable. Yep. So, so far his sentence has been upheld. Okay, good. All right, now, I feel sorry for these families. That was one thing that I came away with incredibly. Like, that's probably why I wanted to do this episode. This crime is obviously very tragic. And I almost, I actually started researching this probably a month ago. Like, when you like I think before we even really started putting cases out there. But I kept putting it on the back burner because, honestly, it was just so, it's just so over-the-top brutal and gruesome. Like, I, I just was like, I don't know if I can seriously talk. Like, what, I don't want to, I don't know if I can talk about this. Or I don't even know if I can, like, make fun moments in the podcast when there's such a tragedy that's happening. Yeah, it's hard to, it's hard. It is hard. And so it's like, but at the same time, should, we shouldn't forget these two individuals who were innocent and wonderful people going to college, falling in love, going to f- meet with friends, just yeah. being young, happy people. Yeah. And their lives were just stolen away in such a horrible, monstrous way. Yeah. And then their families, you know, they basically are robbed every day of this. I mean, it's like every single day it's like losing someone. I, I would imagine that, that that's not a quote. Yeah, but still. Like, yeah, because they have to keep going through it and like they're never going to come back. It doesn't matter like all the successes they have, like bringing their people to justice. It's, it's never going to bring them back. And I just feel like it's just horrible that they keep having to relive this. Because yeah. like, honestly, I boiled down a lot of the trial stuff into like a shorter spit, like like little piece of evidence, you know, piece of information. But the trials were just like ongoing and ongoing and ongoing and ongoing and ongoing. And I just can't imagine having to deal with that. Yeah, that would be a nightmare. Like, I think I saw somewhere that they think they've been in court like 400 times or something like that. Wow. Yeah, just a nightmare. Yeah. All right. So I hope that things get better from them. And I, I just also want to add that that house on Chipman Street that where they were killed was actually demolished in October 2008. So it's gone off this earth, which is sort of a small piece yeah, it's probably for the best. Definitely. I cannot imagine anyone living there. Yeah, that would be a really tough place to Mm-mm. live. Yeah. Nope. Yep. That's a no for me. Yeah. All right. Well, that is the story of Shannon Christian and Chris Newsom. I hope that you found it interesting and also are feeling empowered to, like, support families of victims. I feel like that's kind of a thing to take from this story is to support families of victims. 
Yeah. Because they're going through a lot and they might need help. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's the thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I hope that you're all having a super great week. Thank you for listening and for being a patron. Um, If you have any suggestions of cases that you want us here for bonuses, we're very flexible on bonus cases. We want to make you happy, the listeners, because you're what, who really matters here. Well, you and the victims and their families. Um, So if you have a suggestion, just drop us a note and we will check it out and see if it will work for the group as a whole. And we would just like to say thank you. Yep. Thank you guys very much. And bye-bye. Bye.